You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Monster House presents. Monster Talks, a proud member of the Airwave Media Podcast Network, home of such shows as the Daily Meditation Podcast, I Know What Scares You, and When Things Go Wrong. If you'd like to advertise on this show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Talk. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. This week we're trying something new with a book review episode. I just finished the new Bigfoot book by first-time author John O'Connor titled The Secret History of Bigfoot, Field Notes on a North American Monster. This is a book about Bigfoot and the people who hunt for it. And since the whole episode is me chatting with Karen about this I'm not going to front load the intro with more details, except to say I enjoyed the read. Monster Talk. Hey. Hey, it's just the two of us again. Another week of Monster Talk. And when you and I were throwing around ideas, I was really intrigued by the the suggestion that you made for today's show uh, and a book review of sorts, I guess. Yeah, I mean, often what we do to prep for the show, but so here's a little behind the scenes is – we will read things and watch documentaries or pay attention to news stories and just find general ways that sort of monsters intersect with the world. Mm-hmm. This particular book, uh, the book I'm uh, talking about is called The Secret History of Bigfoot, Field Notes on a North American Monster by John O'Connor. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we read a lot of books, but uh, this, this one uh, started popping up in some pretty big, high-profile places. So it's getting a good push. It was the New York Times, uh, NPR, you know, that sort of 
Yeah, it's got some visibility. But I have to admit that when you first told me about this book, I swore you said the secret life of Bigfoot. Which would be different, yeah. (laughs) Made made me think of the kids' movie, The Secret Life of Pets, that that my uh, son loves. And anyway, so I started doing some preliminary research. And there is a book by that very name, The Secret Life of Bigfoot. It's by Megan Cooley-Peterson. And it came out last year. So here I was doing research into this book and then get into our uh, shared Google document today to see that, no, it's an entirely different book. It is. <laughs> but the, the uh, titles are, are uh, not really copyrightable. Like, and it, it seems like people reuse titles and, and riff on titles and joke on titles. Is. So, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. the subtitles but, but are becoming really two, important, right? <laughs> that That's right. I mean, that is true. But uh, certainly interesting to have to come out within such a, a short period of time that have very similar names. But anyway, back to the book in question. So this is uh, John O'Connor, uh, Secret History of Bigfoot. And so uh, you've, you've mentioned this book before, and I'm wondering – what, what is this book that we're hearing about? Uh, why does this seem to be so popular at the moment? What, what yeah, good has question. this book got? This is, um, this is a, the first book by John O'Connor. Um, he's not new first, to writing, wow. but it's his first uh, big pro sale as a nonfiction book. And the premise of it is this is not a Bigfoot enthusiast uh, diving into the case for Bigfoot or anything like that. Um, it okay. is ostensibly it's about his experience engaging with Bigfoot during the pandemic uh, and and right after mm. the pandemic. And it's about, you know, he wasn't a Bigfooter, but he wanted to find out more about the culture and, and the experience mm. of going out there and what, what's it all about? Why do people do it? That sort of thing. Well, I always find these books to be so interesting because a lot of what we read is kind of ancestral. It's written, written by uh, people within our community yes. or, believers who are outside of our community but still part of that same pool of people interested in Bigfoot. So it, it is really interesting when you get an outsider who uh, gets in on this and, and offers some new perspectives and different takes on things that we've been talking about for years. Well, that is exactly right. I, I think when this book got announced, I thought, that sounds like a popular book. Uh, it sounds like it's you know from a big publisher for a popular audience. I can't imagine right. I'm going to learn anything if I read this book, right? That that's mm-hmm. the first, and that always becomes a, a challenge. I think when we have to face yet another monster book, is this a book that's going to give me some insight? Is it a book I'm going to enjoy? <laughs> is it a book that's Why? going to make me frustrated that they don't know things that we know because we spent more time in, mm-hmm. in this you know topic? So um, mm-hmm. I would say that from that perspective, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I did learn a couple of things, which is wonderful. Uh, nothing major, but, uh, you know, anytime I, I, you read another researcher, you're going to see the things that they thought were worth mentioning. And sometimes that's something right. that you've overlooked or missed or didn't hear about because you weren't in the same circles exactly. So Sure, yeah. Well, anytime you uh, write a book proposal, you're supposed to uh, talk about what makes your book unique, what big ideas have you got for that book, what makes it original. So how does it? How is it set apart from from other books? It has enough similarity to the writings of Bill Bryson. Oh, I love his stuff. I love his stuff. It, and of course, this is this is a first time 
book here. So I'm, I'm actually, hmm. uh, for, for all the criticism that you may hear me levy, and it, it's not a ton, this is absolutely <laughs> a, a superb first time outing. I mean, impressive. Uh, Lord, I hope that whenever I get my technology book out, it's even close to being as well written as this is. I think that, you know, would be ideal. So it's really well written. A high price. Yeah. yeah. It, now, it isn't Bill Bryson polish level. But somewhere, like, so he has his book, A Walk in the Woods, which is not a super technical mm-hmm. book, uh, Bill Bryson, I mean. And that's about the Appalachian Trail. And then he's got another book called A Short History of Nearly Everything. And mm-hmm. that is a fantastic science book that's just full of all kinds of amazing summaries of human understanding at this point. And mm-hmm. it feels like O'Connor in this book is kind of doing a little bit of both. He's telling you a story about him having an adventure engaging with Bigfoot culture. He's not Mm -hmm. mocking it. He's immersed in it when he gets into it. And he meets lots of really high-profile people within that community. But at the same time, he does these side discussions about things we've covered on Monster Talk that you won't see in most Bigfoot books. One of the biggest complaints I saw about reviewers was there was this recurring theme in some of the reviews. Why is he talking about the Ivory Bill Woodpecker when this is supposed to be a book about Bigfoot, right? And you may may recall we covered that for that that movie Ghostbird that came out. A long time ago. A long time ago. And it's a really amazing story because it's about what happens when you have an animal that was known to exist – and it's mm-hmm. suddenly been called extinct, and now people are reporting seeing it again. How does biology engage with that? How does the media engage with that? That is a fine way to examine cryptozoology. Sure. I see the yeah the importance. And- it kind of made me sad that I saw that repeated in several reviews. Why doesn't he stick to Bigfoot? Why is he talking about these peripheral topics? He was setting up his argument. Exactly. Well, and he's setting <laughs> yeah. up his argument and making the, you know, many of these points he's not explicitly telling you, look, this <laughs> is like that and therefore conclude this. He's just saying, look, this is how cryptozoology is. Here's what it looks like when we look for a real animal. It's up mm-hmm. to you to, like, make those conclusions. He doesn't lay it out and put it. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't yeah, have yeah. to lead people along that much. But uh, you, so you talked about how this was a kind of COVID project of his. So I'm assuming this isn't just armchair research. He actually gets out. He does. The field, he gets out there. Hands and on. He goes camping with Bobo. <laughs> he he talks with Cliff. <laughs> he's he's out there. He's out there doing the Bigfoot, and he uh, goes yeah, down to Texas. Survivor man. Yeah. So no, you know, it, there's all these different cultures around the country around Bigfoot, and mm, we certainly. don't in Texas they talk about wood apes, and there's this the wood ape conservancy. Uh, and this idea of like protecting it and it's, it's got sort of an ecological side to it there that maybe mm, is missing sure. in some other parts of the country. Um, mm-hmm. And so as he goes to these different places, uh, you get lots of stories about the people and the culture and the community. I would, it was interesting. Right. Um, he talks to these people and spends time with them and he camps with them. And I think he plays coy with, how he feels about it all politically, which is funny to me because I saw reviews it's on the fence a little bit then. Well, he tries to be, yeah, because there it's not that Bigfoot is political, but it's that Bigfoot. Polit- well, Bigfoot culture is a hobby, <laughs> mostly composed of white males. Uh, I mean, it just is. That is true. It, and yeah. I, I don't, 
I, I would, I'm all for diversity and uh, as many people that want to go look for monsters as can. I, 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 yeah. I wish mm-hmm. I saw more people interested in this of different races and cultures. It would be great, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think it would yeah. be great. It appeals to a certain type. But if you are, yeah, if you're writing a book about the culture, it's hard to not observe that that is what the culture is. And I think some people, just by yes. stating it, took like he was taking a side in in political issues and social issues that I don't mm. think he was actually making any statement about. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, some people yeah. he mentioned the word woke, and so you know people thought he was anti woke, and I saw reviews where people thought he was he was pro woke, and I, uh-huh. I, so okay. I, yeah, <laughs> so I don't I, all that <laughs> stuff, you know. So it's not right. in the book. That's all people bringing their own baggage to read it. In my opinion, that's so interesting. It sounds like a different book. Yes, exactly. Uh, the people who love Bigfoot and believe Bigfoot is real, I saw reviews from them. Like, I like the parts where he talked about Bigfoot. I don't know why the rest mm-hmm. of this was in there, right? And then people who enjoyed the sort of Bill Bryson walk in the woods side are like, he sure spends a lot of time talking about the science and details of all this stuff. Not sure what, you know, so. <laughs> you can't please everyone. You certainly cannot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to know, did he go to your home turf? Did he go to Georgia and spend any time around there? He went to Texas. I believe he went to Kentucky, uh, Washington State, Maine, Massachusetts, California. Uh, uh, yeah, he went to California for sure. Camped in California. Of course, yeah. You um, have to. He interviewed people from Georgia. I, did, I didn't see anything in there from directly from him actually visiting Georgia, but uh, he definitely okay, well, he talks about Georgia cases and he talks with a Bigfoot hunter. He talks oh, to he an African American. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I kept thinking we've covered that. We've covered that. We've covered yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll uh, check out our show. He did not, or if he that's did, I didn't. A badge of honor, though, really, to be going through a book like this that's written by a, again an outsider. I don't oh, mean that in any negative way. No, no, no. Yeah, uh, but yeah. That, that he has treated a lot of things that we've talked about. I mean, that, that really makes us look good. I found it all very edifying. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but so, but ultimately, you can't really tell if he's a skeptic or a believer. He's oh, just. I mean, you, that piece. I think can. you can come down on. It. Yeah, I think. Uh, by the, he doesn't have to say. Here's what I think because he allows lots of other opinions into the book. And like by the end, he's talking to a lot of state biologists. And mm, people okay. who study moose, people who study grizzly bears, and ask okay, the questions so like, Do, "I see where this is going." <laughs> yeah, and so he talks about he goes to a Jeff Meldrum lecture, and I've been to those, and Jeff talks about mm-hmm. you know the rarity of finding bones in the woods and how the acidic soil can eat the bones and all that stuff, and then he goes and talks mm-hmm. to you know a moose biologist and a grizzly bear biologist and ask them do people find bears bones in the woods do people find moose bones in the woods can the could the forest mm-hmm. sustain a creature this size and not have a trail mm-hmm. and it's like no because all, all these the animals right these animals real animals leave sign they leave hair they leave wallows they leave scat they leave dna they leave bones they mm-hmm. leave skins you know so well <laughs> bigfoot is known to be elusive. It is quite elusive. It's quite elusive. And I'm not, you know, and again, he doesn't have to come down that hard himself because just mm-hmm. leaving those passages in the book, I think, can lay waste to uh, someone who's on the fence. You know, they can, you know, right. Oh, kick absolutely. You, kick you out of your ambiguity. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, Consciousness, Philosophy, UFOs, Ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. Does he touch upon the Patterson Gimlin film? He at finally all? did. I was actually getting concerned because a lot of the book had gone by and he hadn't gotten to it. Uh, and I was yeah. Thinking, you think it'd be a pretty seminal thing to yeah. discuss up front, maybe. But you know, you know, when we did the recent coverage of uh, talking about my research into the Patterson Gimlin film, film, the the four screening, mm-hmm. uh, four walling, sorry. Uh, project daniel perez who we've had on the show before reached out to me and wanted to get more information about um where i'd found my sources so he could add it to his uh, ongoing project of uh this giant bigfoot bibliography that he's doing well it turns and i I wish i had known this when i chatted with him um but he is actually on a team that has uh relocated the shooting site of the PGF which I knew it had been found but I didn't know people were actively doing research and so they were doing several recreations mm. and there's a point to that which is the lenses that could potentially be attached to the camera mm-hmm. that was used to shoot the PGF if you know which mm-hmm. lens was used then you can do mathematics to figure out how tall the figure is if you have enough reference points to go back to the original site. And so, yeah. And so they were able to get pretty far along. It's nothing definitive, but they're pretty sure. Human sized. Well, yeah, that, that it, based on their findings, I believe it was the 20 millimeter lens and that it would put him at about six feet tall. It matters Mm -hmm. because the, the bigger lens would make him closer to seven and a half feet tall or something like that. So, um, you know, it, yeah, that certainly matters. And if it's a six foot tall humanoid, that doesn't mean it's a human in a suit, but it does mean that it's more plausible that it could be a human in a suit than if it were seven foot tall. Than a because, big you know, foot. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So and Absolutely. Again, Interesting. that doesn't speak to the Bob Hironis question at all, but it was really nifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that whole chapter was surprisingly cool because, uh, uh you know, he participated in that activity. So that, that's something I would yeah. love to do. That's awesome. So. Yeah, well, and I really do love that angle, uh, the way you've been describing his forays into uh, hanging out with these groups. And and it sounds like it was very diverse, too, that he was meeting with lots of different groups, lots of different scientists uh, to really get a good overall picture. Yeah, yeah. 
and the I, secret history of Bigfoot. Exactly. And secret I, I mean, life and, and, of well, it is. He calls it the secret history, and he talks about it. Field. It is field notes. So if mm-hmm. if it had been a full on Bill Bryson approach, you know, he probably would have woven the narrative chronologically and geographically as he revealed the information. Yeah. So it would feel more like a road yeah. trip kind of thing. But it is very right. eclectic. From chapter to chapter, he's hopping all over the place in time and in and, and location. You know, to, yeah. to, to get his points across. But it's well written. It's very mm. well written. It's engaging. Almost sounds like a you could read each chapter in and of itself, almost like it's its own an essay. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. I think that's that's fair. I, I don't I didn't feel like I it was it wasn't like a uh cover to cover book. narrative, you know, page turner kind of thing or where it had mm. to be read in a particular way. That's true. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And um, so you also mentioned to me at one point that he had covered uh, native stories being colonized by Bigfooters. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. I really, again, talk about being edified uh, by hearing something that you've been preaching yourself. Uh, He articulated very well some of the challenges around how Bigfoot has taken over native stories and mm-hmm. uh, and one of the things that concerned me uh, is we've already done a pretty bad number. I don't th- I mean, it's practically a genocide on Native Americans. And then I say we, I mean, colonialists, Europeans bringing over disease and other <laughs> things. There's almost nothing that they didn't come over here and change. So mm-hmm. in the past five years, I've become more and more concerned about how Bigfoot stories have uh appropriated native and indigenous stories uh, mm-hmm. to the point taken over <laughs> to the point that now young native Americans speak of them as Bigfoot stories instead of what they were before the 1950s. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and yeah. that, that to me, I think that is an probably irreparable harm, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is such a, a shame. So sad. And, uh, but yeah, we, we've really seen this a lot. We've talked about it a fair bit too. We have. And it was, so to see it in a, in a popular book was, uh, it was nice to see that pointed out. It wasn't the point of the book was, I don't know if obviously, obviously from reading reviews, a lot of people uh, read this book and that was not their takeaway, <laughs> but, but it still bugs really? me. So no one's, <laughs> no one's really talking about that. Um, no, I wouldn't the, say no one's talking about it. In matter of fact, uh, we've – Trey the Explainer, uh, the YouTuber, uh, just dropped a – three weeks ago, a, a, a YouTube video called The Native Bigfoot. I'm still trying to get through it. It's like an hour and 15 long. But I've heard nothing but positive mm. about his coverage of how Bigfoot appropriates Native cu- culture. So uh, I, I put a link to that in the show notes because uh, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping it's as good as I hear, uh, but I hear good things. Yeah. Uh, and he's a yeah. friend of the show for sure. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll tell you one other cool thing he did was he does a really good uh, overview of how Bigfoot goes from the 1950s into sort of the heart of the 1970s, talking about uh, from the Patterson-Gimlin film to Boggy Mm -hmm. Creek. And then he goes through all of those 1970s schlocky Bigfoot movies, including the movie Schlock. (laughs) Uh, and, and so uh, I, 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 in the big, the $6 million man, he, he's good enough to mention that the bionic Bigfoot is played by both Andre the Giant and Ted Cassidy, who played Lurch on the Adams Family. So, you know, uh, all the, all the hits. Too, yeah. If you, if you want to, like, it's, it, he does a good thorough, it's a very thorough overview of, of Bigfoot's, you know, uh, story, well, I would say. 
another thing that you and I have talked about is just how iconic Bigfoot is and that we see him, it's they as a, a symbol everywhere. Yes. Does the author go into that? Yes, he talks about how it's become sort of commoditized uh, and become an literally an American icon and, you know, on lunchboxes, bumper stickers, air fresheners, and, you know, he goes through all that too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. So we I mean, still have to treat that. Ourselves. But if I, let's not, let's not make it all glowing reviews. I mean, like there, I would say the Well, yeah, I want to know. You mentioned at the start of the show, you mentioned some criticisms. So I want to hear about these. Well, aside from the traditional, I don't agree with this, so therefore I don't like it uh, kind of criticism. There's a lot of those three star. Mm-hmm. It would be a five star if he had liked Bigfoot more. It'd be a five star if he'd hated Bigfoot. You know that kind of stuff. Forget that. Yeah, again, you can yeah. never win. <laughs> you could, you, <laughs> with uh, this crowd. You, if you get away from the politics and it, is it real or is it not, and you look at it as, from a neutral perspective, I think it's a very well written book. The tone hops all over the place. You know, we get occasional uh, reviews where people are like, well, the interview was going great, and then Blake said a stupid pun, and it completely destroyed the mood for me. And I think maybe reading this book was the first time <laughs> I've, haters. I've been out there and felt that, because he'll be talking in an exalted style, and then almost mm-hmm. almost go as low as making a fart joke, you know? <laughs> but instead of making some mm, crass... It sends out of place. Yeah, it, do, it's, it, 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 will be, it will jar you out of that mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. flow... So he's he's making a humorous aside or whatever, but I -hmm. can't criticize. It's like, I mean, it's not my style. It sounds like it's his style. It's his style. Exactly. He mentions multiple times that he was a screenwriter and he had different screenwriting ideas. And so he likes to, he likes to throw those pitchy kind of little jokey things out there. And that's one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of his art. Yeah. (laughs) 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 One other criticism I have is he, uh, it, it does jump all over the place, not within a single mm-hmm. paragraph, but but within a chapter, you may be hopping to a lot of different places, which if you were at a coffee shop having a conversation with someone, that would be great. But in a book, mm-hmm. sometimes people are not paying fully attention when they're reading, you know, and maybe they, right. why are we talking about this? What just happened? You know, so. Okay, so he's not linking these ideas. Not well always. It, maybe not as effectively. And again, it didn't bother me. But it mm-hmm. again, I'm cl- it clearly bothered some readers, so I, I feel like I should mention it. So, yeah, yeah, it's funny um, just how a lot of reviewers can get. I mean, often you'll find the only people who review are those that had a, a negative experience and uh, just criticism. So, yeah, uh, and it, I, I it looks like I I had never really paid attention to Goodreads, but they, they like probably I don't know how many reviews they have. Let's say there's fifteen. Let's say there's thirty. Whatever there are, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. But on those reviews, okay, 82 reviews, a huge chunk of them include a thank you for giving me early access to the book. Thank you for giving me early access to the book. And it's like – Right from the publisher then, I yeah, guess. Yeah, which of. is fine. But golly, man, I would th- – there's some pretty brutal reviews for – you know. So, but then there's some really nice ones. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I felt like the people who did the one-star reviews in particular are, are putting their – um, tribe on their sleeve. It's it's not a one star mm-hmm. book. It's I thought it was probably a four star. You know, I, I'd give it a four star. Okay, so, that's that's yeah. pretty pretty darn high. Yeah. But yeah, I think sometimes you'll see reviews with people saying, "Oh, 
the, the book arrived late or something like that. It's like, what the hell is that got to yeah, do? Yeah, exactly. With How does that so... have anything to do with anything? That's, that's yeah. you have to kind of take yeah. those. I blame it. UPS oh. for my poor experience reading this. Well, not reading, but viewing. <laughs> yeah, the, the poor author. <laughs> so well, yeah, yeah, I mean, poor John really has nothing to do with that. Me. You've inspired me to go and check out this book. I think that's pretty high praise to say four stars. Uh, but was there anything else that you want to talk about in the book? Because I think you'd mentioned something, and forgive me if you've already mentioned this, but you'd said something about uh, Bigfoot hunts in uh, New England. Yeah, he he's hunting for Bigfoot in New England, and uh, and, and there is. Uh, I have a friend that lives in New Hampshire. There's there's mountains um, up there where if you go up in the wrong time of day and the weather can change, you could just sort of freeze to death in the summertime. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not like the West coast where the, wow. you, you've got bigger mountains out there in Colorado, but it, some, mm-hmm. these East coast mountains can kill you. Didn't know it was that treacherous. Yeah. Mount Washington, highest peak in the Northeast United States. It's uh 6,288 feet. Uh, and it frequently has snow on top and it, it, people can die up there easily. Yeah, so it's not you know wow, that microclimates or something yeah, maybe that yeah, move in. Absolutely, and, yeah, interesting. And uh, it, so, but but it kind of ties into that whole missing four one one stuff we've talked about uh, with mm-hmm. the, David Pilates. It, it's um, he talks about that a good bit, and he you know what else he talked about that surprised me is um, Barcoon's uh, culture of conspiracy work, where this which was from like two thousand three, and that's hmm. that's a, a that's one of Jeb's favorite books, talking about this sort of uh, improvisational freeform uh, conspiracy that happens when you're sort of completely detached from uh, narratives of, you know, based in reality. And mm-hmm. Barcoon pretty much predicted 2015 to now, like, unfortunately. It's, 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 really? Yeah. No, it's, that is a powerful book. Uh, and to hear that cited in a Bigfoot book was really surprising. Yeah, it sounds like it's a pretty thorough book. It it's a very thorough book. It's got things for, like it's got from the exceptionally highbrow to the working class guy. It's got everything, right? So it's it it's um high and low. And lowbrow jokes too. Lowbrow jokes too. Yeah. There's <laughs> beer drinking, sleeping in, in tents. There's, you know, the occasional oh, got it all. bodily function joke. It's all in there. It's all in there. I I <laughs> again, I a solid four star, you know. Yeah. Well, I guess as a final question, does he have any experiences himself? Does he claim to encounter Bigfoot or, or uh, have any that's bad a really, that's misses? A superb question. I don't want to spoil the ending of the book, which, which I think. Well, we're all about that. Well, okay. So I'll. Just, <laughs> so if you if you want to read this book and you don't want the very 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 ending spoiled, uh, skip, Stop now. skip a minute. Yeah. Yes, briefly, yeah. he talks about an ambiguous experience at the very very end of the book, and I don't think it's to make us believe he saw Bigfoot. I think it's to make the point that ambiguity, as I like to say, is the devil's lingerie. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds like a good spot to have it right at the end of the book, too. Yeah. To, to build up to that. And, and it, by the end of the book, you should know that if you see a Bigfoot, uh, unless you see it out in the open, you know, in, in perfect daylight, it's it's nothing but ambiguous. Oh. You know, that's the whole point. Even then, even yeah. then. It could be a man in a what ghillie suit and sunglasses. Could be, <laughs> <laughs> could be indeed. Oh. But if you have, to, if you if you need to read a book and you you I, I <laughs> if you want to read a Bigfoot book that is not mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, a, a novel and it's not a dry academic tome. I think this, this it's kind of, it's a good one. I mean, believers stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not too credulous. I don't think it's too skeptical. Uh, I think it's a, a really nice, I, I, I don't know where they're going to shelve right. it. it. It's a, it, is it a, is it, is it, I don't know where this book is going to be shelved. I, I don't know. It, do you put it? It's not a science book. It, it is kind of like a travel book, but it's got tons of science in it. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. They, folklore. I bought mine online. I'll History. have to go to the bookstore and see where they stick it. That's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, they, they could put it, uh, I don't know, in the, in the women's section. That's probably not where it will be. <laughs> could it could go anywhere. <laughs> I've seen my books in some pretty odd places, so. Yeah. Who knows? But anyway, well, thank you for reading the book for us. And I'm sure that you'll inspire a lot of other people to check this book out. It really does sound like it's up our alley. Yeah. I, I mean, I have not reached out to him. Honestly, I wanted to read this book before I even bothered. Um, so I may engage with him and see if we want to have a conversation about how this came to be. Uh, that might be well, fun. Yeah. That yeah, might be interesting to bring him on the show and to hear some of these swashbuckling stories. Indeed, or to ask him about what, what did he leave in, what did he leave out, you know that sort of things. So yes, yeah, yeah. there's some behind the scenes stuff. I guess we know what he left in because I just read it. I mean, why did he leave that in? <laughs> yeah. Why did he leave that? In? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, to ask some of the uh, reviewer questions. Anyway, well, there, there's your book report. Uh, I hope I get an A. Uh, you know, <laughs> right? I think I, I think an A minus. How does that sound? That sounds fine. <laughs> Uh, there was this oh, reminds, you did oh, very well, young Blake. The the I don't think I've done a review of it, but I also had read the uh, Max Brooks did a book called Deevolution, and he talks about uh, O'Connor talks about the Deevolution book in in the course of his. I, I thought that was interesting. So you know what, we should do another little mini book review about the Max Brooks book on a separate. Definitely. That'd be a fun another topic. That's a good one. I yeah, like that one. That it's, does sound good. Yeah. All right. Let's let's do that later. We'll do that later. All right. We don't want to overwhelm you with too many books to read. These take time. All right, listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be back next week. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And thank you, Blake, for, for doing your homework. This was a fun one. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You just heard a discussion about the secret history of Bigfoot by John O'Connor. I plan to reach out to O'Connor for an interview, and if that comes to fruition, you'll hear about it here. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support we have links there to our patreon page as well as a donation button another great way to support the show is to buy books from our amazon monster talk wish list which directly helps us with our research we love used books very much so don't feel compelled to buy new ones and we love kindle so we can share our digital libraries with each other and finally without spending any money at all you can support us by leaving a positive review at itunes or wherever you get your podcasts Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. 
Apple recently started turning off downloads on podcasts if you're not actively listening. So if you're hearing this, thank you for actually giving us a listen as well as the download. In a Monster House presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.